Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode is titled, That Time I Killed My Mom's Dog. On February 26th of 2023, I flew down to St. George for the Thrive presentation at the conference they were holding there. I met a lot of old friends, made a lot of new friends, and had the opportunity to give a one-half-hour presentation on a subject of my choice. This is the audio recording of that presentation. We actually got video of it as well. It is available nowhere else to my knowledge except here for the audio at Radio Free Mormon. And when we get it up on YouTube, the video will be there as well. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing to actually watch me deliver this address. I'll leave that up to you to decide. At any rate, I had a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. And here's the audio from that presentation, St. George, February 23rd, 2026, that time I killed my mom's dog. Play the tape. Was it great to have Renee Zellweger with us today? Mildly funny if you don't get it. <laughs> At any rate, everybody, what's that wonderful music? I stand up for Sunday morning. <laughs> yes, and I feel like I'm supposed to thank the people for singing. Wasn't that wonderful music? Oh, yeah. That really brought the spirit into the room. <laughs> was it Daniel who was talking about how he used to think he was sound religious? Or was it the other fellow? I can't remember. Not sure about, you know, the song they just sang, right? Uh, imagine. I had the same feeling when I heard that song, you know, that's kind of beyond the pale. I mean, this whole thing about, you know, the whole world living as one. Come on. <laughs> that's too much. Because really, as a TBM, when I listen to this, I don't know if I'm the only one, but the only way the world's going to live as one is if you all convert to Mormonism. <laughs> Isn't that true? That's why I didn't like the song. I like it better now, and I like it even better after that rendition that was so beautiful. It reminds me of that wonderful time back in the 60s when the Lord's Well Show was on. Remember the Linen Sisters? <coughs> oh yes, remember the time when he said, We'd like to thank the lovely Linen Sisters for that beautiful rendition of I Can't Get No Satisfaction. <laughs> taking his jacket off really soon because it's very warm, but I wore it. It's not new, it's about 10 years old, but it's trying to get up the nerve to wear it in public. And you won't believe all the compliments I've gotten on this jacket. I like the compliments on the jacket, I just wish that like 50% of them didn't end with, my grandson would love it. <laughs> so here we are today, and you know, I do believe in God this morning. It's a Sabbath day, and Providence has placed me speaking for a half hour before John DeLynn. John DeLynn, are you here today? There he is in the back, everybody. There's John DeLynn. I'm taking this jacket off right now. I say Providence. One of my favorite lines from Hamlet. <laughs> There's a providence that shapes our ends, rough-hewn though they may be, John. And this Sunday, I have half an hour before John Delin is scheduled to speak for an hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) 
many of you were paying attention to Mormonism Live last Wednesday night? A lot of you probably weren't because there was another show that was going on. And it started like two hours. It was going to be a, was it, Mormon, it was a Mormon Stories, wasn't it? It was a five-hour Mormon story special. What's Five hours. <laughs> it was special because it started two hours before our show. But you know, that's okay. Because it's not like Mormonism Live hasn't started on the same day at the same time for over two years. <laughs> but I was just thinking, it's pretty poetic right now for me to be speaking before you. So you, you have time to get a nap now, John. Just <laughs> I hope you didn't spend a lot of time working hard on your talk. <laughs> oh, I am enjoying this way too much. You know, these glasses are great because they help me see things, but when I'm in front of a bunch of people, it's really better to take them off. Oh, and there's the backyard professor, the videographer, standing back there. <laughs> Jerry, how are you doing? You getting everything? Uh, every joke you've got, I've got you where I want you. <laughs> I know he didn't tell me that last night around midnight. <laughs> the backhoe professor. Would you stop it? <laughs> Randy Bell, it's the backyard professor, not the backdoor professor. <laughs> Back home, professor. I'm sorry. Back home. I you. So, I really will. I'll be done in about an hour and a half. But I brought some things up here with me because I want to tell you a story. The, uh, the inspiration came a couple of days ago. Because like last Wednesday night when I was talking on Mormonism Live, and I was saying I don't have an idea for what I'm talking about yet, I was actually not kidding. And I know Wendy, Wendy kept saying, you got something ready yet? I said, no. I said, you're kidding. No, I don't, I'm sorry. So, I've managed to fill up about half the time not talking about anything. <laughs> See, I really don't need that much. My problem is if I sit down and take notes, five minutes later, I've got an hour's worth. So I have to stay away from that sometimes, and I sort of have to trust my muse. And what my muse came through with, let me see here, i got about 20 minutes. I do want to mention a couple things here. Is that I brought some books up here. You'll be glad to know, no scripture, okay? Except for this book, Rabbit Run by John Updike. It's the book I'm reading currently. Anybody ever read this book before? We've got one person. Yes, we have two. Uh, anybody ever heard of it before? This is a book I was supposed to read when I was in my AP English class in high school. And I got, I don't know, I think I got about maybe 20 pages into it. Then I went to the cliff notes. But honestly, I'm enjoying it so much more. This is not made for seniors, at least not me as a senior. I, could, I had no chance. They're assigning this to me. I mean, what nobody knows is that at home, I had a book that was, it was a paperback, it was a Gomer Pyle paperback. So it was written back in the 60s when the show was popular and they figured we'll make a little extra money and somebody will write a story about Gomer Pyle and all the funny goings on. I got about two chapters into that book and put it to the side. 
So there's no chance I'm going to be reading Robert Updike from Cover to Cover. John Updike. John Updike either. Robert is his lesser known, but equally talented writer. I'm surprised you didn't know that. And the other book is also scripture in my book. It's the most recent edition of the Hulk. How many have read this? <laughs> Both of you. The professor has dropped his camera and is gesticulating madly in the back. He looks like he's doing YMCA on meth. <laughs> but, but the reason... Thanks. <laughs> You're wonderful, really. Okay, the reason I love this comic book is not because I'm that crazy about the Hulk, really, but the artist is Ryan Otley. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I hope Ryan never sees this. Ryan Otley. You know who Ryan is? He's the artist right now. Current artist for the Hulk magazine. He's a former member of the LDS Church. He attained some notoriety by putting a CES button on Spider-Man back when he was drawing Spider-Man a few years ago. That's <laughs> and just a few years ago, he was drawing for Spider-Man. It was a reboot. He's incredibly talented. And here you've got me, RFM, who fell in love with Spider-Man when I was 13 in Oxnard, California. Believe me, when you're in Oxnard, California, there's not a lot to fall in love with. <laughs> Any people here from Oxnard? <laughs> There's one who's willing to admit it. No, I was there for a few months. But anyway, <coughs> I love Spider-Man. Everybody knows I'm in Marvel. I think you know that by now. And to have the artist, the current artist on Spider-Man, contact me and say, hey, I'm a fan of yours, and then send me some comic books with his signature on the front? Holy crap! I thought I'd died and gone ahead of Yeah, that was absolutely a thrilling, thrilling moment for me. Which so, heaven? I'm sorry? Which heaven did you go to? <laughs> I went to the heaven above the celestial kingdom, which only those who have closely read sections 130 and 131 know about. <laughs> and it's funny because, I'm not kidding. You guys know I'm not kidding, right? Everybody here knows that the Doctrine and Covenants talks about heavens above the celestial kingdom, right? They do? Well, yeah. When you get to the celestial kingdom, you get a rock, right? And when you look into, the whole earth becomes the celestial kingdom, right? So you look down into the earth, which is the second biggest Sherman Thummim you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and you see things pertaining to lower kingdoms, right? Makes sense. Holy crap, I guess that means the terrestrial and telestial are like inside. I bet it does. But if you look in the stone that everyone's given that has a new name written in it, which no one knows except he who holds it, what do you see? I really feel like I, I am teaching Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is never covered in Sunday school. This is RFM Sunday school. I'm going to walk around a little bit more. No, if you look 
in the stone that you get with your name on it, you look past your name, you look into the stone, the scriptures tell us that we see things pertaining to higher kingdoms. Who said that? Yeah! Higher kingdoms. Well, that's an interesting... Correlated answer you're supposed to lead us to? Yes. Thank you for noticing. It's actually kind of an uncorrelated answer. But it's there in the scriptures because it's a straight thing to get to the celestial kingdom. Hi there, back here, Professor. Don't listen to what Randy Bell calls you. So, yeah, you're in the celestial kingdom. So if you talk about higher kingdom in your stone that you see, it must be kingdoms higher than the celestial kingdom. See, this is exactly what I want people to do, is turn around to watch me. <laughs> That's my whole point in watching this <laughs> Yes, it is. This was a huge mess they made with the temple. One of the changes I don't agree with was letting everybody stay seated. <laughs> because believe me, that is a recipe for falling asleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so I got a, how much time do I have? I've got 15 minutes. Otherwise known as an hour and a half. <laughs> so, man, this is not easy. There's a lot of people here. Oh, excuse me. Hey, nice lady. How are you doing? What's your name? My name is Martine Smith. Martine, you've never met before, have you? Okay. And we'll never meet again. So, anyway, I want to tell you a story about me. Now, this is that nobody, that I have told maybe three people in my life, because I'm completely ashamed by this story. And if our FM is ashamed by a story, you know it's bad. I'm gonna be vulnerable at this point. I hate that word, vulnerable. Maybe it's because it's so trendy, you know? It's like back in the 80s when Baby Love by the Supremes got played over and over and they were sick of it. And vulnerable just gets used a lot. I, I'd rather say, instead of saying vulnerable, I like to say, telling shit about myself that nobody in the right mind would ever say about Because <laughs> that really is fashionable, isn't it? But that's what vulnerable means to me. Fortunately, it was a long time ago. And I'm putting this under the heading of why we do what we do. And why we do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we do them anyway, and sometimes with catastrophic results. In my case, I killed my mom's dog. Oh. It was an accident. And if it makes any difference, it was a big piece. Is that okay? Hopefully there's no pickanese lovers here. I mean, that is one of the two reasons I'm now into TikTok. Number one, I'm trying to drive traffic to the RadioFreeMormon.org website. And number two, I'm busy putting up this, uh, what's it called? Disinformation to the Chicoms. <laughs> You are really a great audience. <laughs> Whatever you're drinking, I want everybody to have a shot. <laughs> so, we're doing that. Oh yeah, so I'm 14 years old, it was my mom's dog, and it was an accident. But it actually, it's an amazing thing. And there was a strange confluence of events that happened two days ago on Friday. And here's what it is, okay? I'll keep it short. So we just moved out to, um, 
I'm 14, by the way. So when I say we've moved, I mean my parents have moved and took me along. <laughs> so we finally moved out of apartments and we moved into this house. It was at Lake Taps in Washington. I doubt anybody knows of it. One person's raising their hand. Good. So Lake Taps Washington into a real house. And it is now February. It's 1975. And we got to catch the school bus in the morning. And that's me and my brother. Should I even say his name? Is that hypocritical if I say his name, but I don't say mine? Cam. <laughs> <laughs> so my brother Cam, and what we have to do is this, is we get ready for school, okay? It's not where we go now down to the lobby with all the other kids at the apartments and wait for the school bus to come around. Instead, we have to be out there ready for the school bus. The problem is, is that we catch the school bus at the highway, and the highway is like 100 feet away from the house and it's cold out. So we don't want to wait out there for the school bus. What we can do is this, is we can see when that school bus is coming, like a quarter of a mile away, there's a little place between the trees and it's coming down the road. You've got to watch closely, but when you see that flash of yellow, you've got 46 seconds <laughs> to grab your stuff, get out the door, run to the end of the driveway, and you're ready to be picked up by the school bus. Okay, so that's one thing. The second thing is this is that I was much better at spotting the school bus than my brother Cam. <laughs> if you knew Cam, it wouldn't shock you. <laughs> so this day, I'm hurt. This is at the kitchen window. And I remember I've got to go get a book. So I go to my, like, Cam, watch for the bus. Okay, I'll watch for the bus. Watch for the bus, it's right there. Go get the book, come back. I'm sitting there for like three more seconds watching for the bus here. And there it is pulling up. Cam. So we go bolting out the door, because now we've got to run. The bus is already waiting. Okay. So here's the third thing is that my mom has this Pekingese. Correction. My mom had this Pekingese. <laughs> and this Pekingese has stayed at home all day long. And I guess it was probably pretty, it was named Little Bit. Little Bit. You know, it's one of those cute names. Sounds kind of Chinese. His mom's name was Skoshi, which means little bit. In Japanese. I don't know why that Chinese dog had a Japanese name, but these are the mysteries. Another mystery is that, you know, he's inside all day long, and um, we open that. One of his favorite games was the line for the front door to be open so he could bolt. And then he would lead us boys of Mary Chase. <laughs> and that was his idea of fun. So he decided to do it this day. And we opened the door. We weren't, you know, you gotta try and kick the dog away if you're aware, right? And but he, he shot out the front door. And I'm running, but I'm not running after him now. I'm running to get the school bus. Well, at least we're all running in the same direction. <laughs> and this is on a highway, two-lane highway. The sun is just coming up over the Cascades. It's a beautiful morning. Unless your name happens to be Little Bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how cathartic this is for me? <laughs> to actually tell this story in a way that it's funny now. <laughs> for some of us. So 
what happens, yeah, we're all running the same direction. We're running up the, the, the driveway and we get to the highway. Now, anybody in their right mind, even 14 years old, would be up there and say, okay, here's the bus. I gotta ride 45 minutes because we are out in the middle of nowhere. The dog has come out, the dog is there. Nope, who's gonna look after the dog when me can't get on the bus? Nobody. So what a normal person would do is pick the bus, pick the bus up, <laughs> wave the pickanies on, and say, I'm, 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 I'll get to school later, right? Or even not at all. My game hasn't even gone to work yet for crying out loud. It's easy. It is so easy. These things that I can see now, I could not see it all then. I'm in a rush, and all I know is that the two or three students who are already on the school bus, because we're at the end of the line, at the end of the day, which means we're at the beginning of the line, at the beginning of the day, there aren't that many people on, there's a school bus driver, they're sitting there, they're watching. I'm not seeing them watching, I'm feeling them watching. And I know I've got to hurry and get on the bus, regardless of what it does a little bit. So thinking quickly, I pick up a little bit, and there's a little mound of earth over here by the road on the side of the driveway. So I want to take care of him and make sure he's okay, so I, I put him up there on that little mound of earth. And then I go and get in the bus, and we're off to school. Isn't that horrific? Who exclaimed? <laughs> Somebody back there. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. And so I find out later, you know, in retrospect, I really don't think I felt a little bump as the bus pulled out down the road. I don't think I did, but in retrospect, you can imagine a lot of stuff. Well, if it wasn't the bus, it was something else pretty heavy. Because the word was that by the time my dad did get ready for work, I can't believe you're laughing at this. Do you find this funny? Okay, because I wonder what kind of person you are. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, he was pretty flat, but he was still warm. <laughs> that was the report from my dad later on. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad. I felt really bad. Did I mention my mom loved this dog? never said it's your fault it was like this mutual understanding we had for the rest of our lives it was my fault I felt so horrible and then all of a sudden in retrospect it was so obvious what I should have done right take the dog back to the house the dog would still be alive my mom wouldn't hate me for the rest of her life though she never said it and it's just such a small thing and just not thinking. But I kept coming back to this idea of, why did I do that? Why didn't I do something that was so obvious, so simple, so safe? And it's because I was worried what those other idiots on the school bus were thinking about me. That's all it was. And you know, you get a little older, you turn 15, <laughs> and you start realizing that those people on the school bus, what are they going to think of you if you pick up your dog and take it back to the house 
and wave them on. Nothing. Who cares? They're busy living their own lives. If they think anything, what they're going to think is, oh, that was a smart thing to do. The kid really loves his mom and her dog. That's what you would think. So, why am I talking about that? I think I'm talking about this because it seems that we do so many things. Let me talk for myself. I've done so many things in my life because of what I thought other people wanted me to do. I've lived my entire life in almost every respect in accordance with what others want me to do. And in the LDS Church, there's like 15 of those others that really count. I live my life the way I'm told to live it, and that is supposed to be success. That's supposed to be progress. That's supposed to be happiness. Because we all know there's only one group of people in this world who are happy, and we're not it. <laughs> that group of people who are happy are in LDS churches right now. Those are the people who know true happiness. They're not just Mormons, but they actually live their lives as Mormons. And I can't speak for everybody, but I do know that I believe that on the one hand in my head for many, many years, while at the same time in my heart knowing, is this really what happiness is like? Because it seems like mind-numbing conformity to me. I feel like I'm in a box. And if I stay in that box too long, I'm going to end up being buried in it. So all I want to say is that recently this idea came to me about happiness in the church, happiness out of the church. Friends, Mormon friends turn up in short supply when a lot of us end up leaving the church. And to my surprise, I find out that the things that I thought were friendships were actually a mile wide and an inch deep. That they didn't love me, and that's way too big a word. They weren't friends with me because of me. They were friends because I believed the same things that they believed, and that helped support them in believing those things too. So all I want to finish with is this idea that came to me just a few weeks ago. That in this wonderful community, this post-Mormon community, I have finally found the friendships that I was supposed to find in the LDS Church all along. And that's it. Now, do I get to introduce John, or does somebody else get to? I get to. Okay. Oh, Brenda Vaccaro's with us today. That's what you Here's Brenda. Anybody, everybody remember Brenda Vaccaro? Stop it. <laughs> she doesn't like to be publicly known. Brenda Vaccaro. 